Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Weather continues to move across the Midwest. Colder temperatures, and that's kind of put a stop to combines in many parts of the region as we talk today with Arlen Suderman from FC Stone. Down in your neck of the woods in Kansas, looks like combines are, are slowing down or pretty much stopping as well. Yeah, it really is. Getting cold uh, in a lot of areas have had at least some snow. Not really used to that in the month of October here in Kansas, um, but it is falling. And um, the the moisture, of course, is good for the wheat in some of the dry areas in the high plains, but uh, slowing down the harvest progress. And right now, I think we'd like to focus on getting the harvest in. Very much so. So how much with these harvest delays are they affecting this market trade? I know that, and as we will talk, there are many facets being worked into today's markets. But first with harvest. Is it much of a blip yeah. on the radar? I keep getting that question about how markets are, are reacting to the weather delays, and they're really not. Um, there's uh, obviously some voice concern, but these markets have come kind of become so cynical. If USDA tells us it's a problem, then we'll believe it's a problem. And that's pretty much the way they've been. Uh, if USDA says we have lost production because of harvest delays, then we'll trade it. And it used to be a futures market where it anticipated problems, but uh, no longer. And it just wants to have some clarity. This is one of the years when there's so much lack of clarity on so many different topics. And so much of our market trading is, happens by computers that they just simply become very dependent on reading computer signals, reading technical signals in the charts. Those have started to improve those signals. They're not nearly as bearish as what they once were. Not saying they couldn't go back to that, but that is a positive. We have seen some stability in the markets. We have seen the funds do more of a shift from short or sold the corn market, the speculative funds, toward building a little bit of ownership in the corn market. Uh, still have quite a bit of short positions in soybeans, but not as much as what they have been. In fact, they've probably been shifting a little bit more bullish on the soybeans than on the corn overall. Um, but they, they need good fundamental information to justify sustaining the rally, and they simply don't have that right now. I know a lot of farmers out there out there shouting at me, well, what about this, what about that? I, I get it, but until USDA says it, um, they're really not going to trade it. Now, we're going to see some of those first private estimates on crop progress come out as early as uh, this Friday. Will that help to set the tone as we go into next week and hard to, hard to believe already talking November? Yeah, I think one of the keys is going to be what USDA does with their yield. I, and, you know, you asked about the private estimates that come out ahead of it. If we see the private estimates consistently make a big downward adjustment to their yield estimates, then I think the market would start to say, okay, then USDA probably will. But if the private estimates are kind of all over the place and do not have a consistent message, then I think that market will simply wait for USDA. I think the funds are basically looking for USDA to make another small downward adjustment in the soybean yield. Uh, and to be steady or maybe a little bit higher in the corn yield with this November estimate. So the question is, will we get a clear enough message from the private estimates 
to change those expectations, that's what we have to wait for to see. So as we look at that and go beyond, there's other factors, as I kind of hinted, that are becoming bigger issues as well. And I think as we've continued to talk about China, I think you had the best deal uh, statement before we started this. It was just, call us when this is all done. I mean, the market's taking it in stride, but this latest glitch with China has got to give some frustration. It is. Um, you know, we were at this point in May, uh, as we went through April, looked like we were coming to a trade deal, looked like it was going to happen, and then at the last minute it fell apart. Some of that skepticism remains. There is increased confidence this time around because both leaders have some incentive to do so. Uh, the African swine fever problem is certainly much worse for China the domest- as a domestic problem. The pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong have emerged since then or a much bigger problem and i think china sees it as a bigger problem even than the trade war so they'd like to get a phase one trade agreement that would kind of stabilize things back at home and allow them to focus on these other issues obviously president trump would like to see the stock market doing well in the year ahead of the presidential re-election and get a victory, a political victory in the light of uh, the impeachment inquiry that's going on in the House. Um, so both have an incentive to do it, um, but yet it seems to continually get delayed. There seemed to be some consensus that there would be a formal signing ceremony at the APEC conference uh, in, um, in Chile in, in November. In mid-November, and even the, the South China Morning Post uh, published a statement saying that there would be, on November 17th, there would be a signing ceremony. Uh, and then, lo and behold, uh, that conference was suspended today because of violent protests going on that are unrelated in Chile right now. So Chile says we can't host it. So we're back to the drawing board. Obviously, they can meet anywhere, but now they have to come up with some type of alternative plan on when and where to sign it. It still looks like we're moving toward an agreement. And uh, so I think it's um, be patient, and hopefully a few weeks from now, we'll know more details on what's in it. Well, you talk about those details, and have you guys been given a little bit of inkling as to what might be in it and what isn't in it at this point? Well, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, who's been involved in the talk, still is talking about ratcheting up to 40 to $50 billion in agricultural sales. That will be very difficult to do in the current demand scenario, but at least it's a target to shoot for. Uh, and as he also says that there will be some uh, opening of the financial services markets and some protections of intellectual property in this agreement. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to talk about as we'll dive into the livestock side of the trade as well this week. Stick around. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman, this holding pattern that's been going on in the market is something we're going to see for a while as we talked about in the first half of all the different fingers that are in the pot. Then let's just throw in a Fed statement just to excite things a little bit. So how's that affecting the trade? Yeah, the Federal Reserve uh, decided to cut its uh, benchmark interest rate by another 25 basis points. But this time they changed the language of the statement. And they said, we're putting a pause on after this cut. So don't expect necessarily expect any more rate cuts coming up anytime soon. And, and I was really surprised the stock market handled that well. In fact, as uh, 
as uh, Chairman Powell uh, gave his press conference, the stock market continued to move into positive territory. So perhaps the market's ready for that. And I think that's related to the China trade talks. That's really what has been seen as the problem, this lingering trade war, the problem with our economy and the world economy. So there's a little bit of sense that the Wall Street seems to be accepting the fact that uh, if we get a phase one, then that'll start giving some certainty to the markets. Maybe that we won't see the escalation of um, the tariffs beyond this point. Corporate executives will have more confidence to go ahead and do some capital expenditures, which will get our manufacturing sector going again. So that's positive. But along that line, it also means that we could see the dollar strengthen. And we did indeed see the dollar immediately rally when that happened, but it's been unable to sustain that rally. So the dollar is often a function of what's happening in Europe as well. So if the if the euro um, continues to show strength, which it has shown as we've moved closer to a Brexit agreement, even though that's kind of on hold again once again now as well, the dollar can continue weaker, and it has turned some of its short signals weaker. But if if we see economic problems in Europe come again, then that will start weighing on the euro and push the dollar higher. Why does that matter? Because the stronger the dollar, the weaker the commodity or the money flow into the commodities and vice versa. So what we really need longer term for the commodity sector specifically is a weaker dollar. Um, and the Fed statement today goes against that. So but, so, but we have to see how that's offset by things in Europe now. Looking at South America, we know that um, their harvest has seen some some decent progress over the last week or so. Yeah, they've seen some moisture. Um, they still have a lot of dry areas. Most of the focus is on Brazil, but they've got some dry areas in Argentina. Argentina has such a long growing season uh, that it's t- difficult to get uh, too concerned yet there, but some more certainly watching. Uh, Brazil, we saw a delay in soybean planting. Um, but there, it is making some progress. It's just such a sharp contrast to last year, when last year was well ahead of normal. But it is delayed a little bit more than what we'd like to see. <clears throat> more rains are expected as we get into the month of November, and that's the key. So far, we've had enough showers to kind of keep things going. <clears throat> and and so with the uptick in rain, oh, our people down there say they're pretty confident that they will then get a normal what a normal soybean crop that the bigger concern is still, as we've talked about last week, is the delay in soybean planting means a delay in the crop development, which means a delay in harvest, which gives just a very narrow window then for planting the safrina corn crop, or what we would call a double crop corn, which is 70% of their corn production, and that's where most of their exportable supplies come from. So they're more concerned at this point about what the current weather pattern might do to threaten their um, exportable corn supplies in 2020, and obviously that would be positive for the U.S. corn market later in 2020. Jump over to the livestock side, some green on the screen, and I haven't heard a lot about African swine fever this week. Not a lot. We did see some announcements come out today, really from the the, uh, World Organization for Animal Health, saying that uh, further spread of African swine fever is inevitable in Asia, and that no country in the world is immune to the risk of African swine fever. Um, That's no surprise to anyone, I think, who's following it in the industry. Uh, We're seeing 
uh, prices of pork and cash hogs continue to explode higher. I was doing some conversion um, rates earlier this week and seeing that cash hog prices are around up to around $270 per hundredweight and continuing to go higher. So it's just been unbelievable what's happening with rates prices there, providing lots of incentive to try to raise hogs, but just difficulty doing so with the disease continuing to be prevalent. And and so I continue to expect a, a escalation of demand from China, and I think they'd like to get this agreement in hand uh, because right now we've got the expanded production. We simply need the demand there to absorb it. Looking at the cattle, a small rally? Yeah, we did see some cash trade at 112, but yet the October was just, well, it came down late in the in the session. But overall, we're seeing some good uh, good demand there and good product demand. All right, best way to reach you there, Arlen. INTLFCStone.com. And that's a Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. You can pick this up as a podcast at our website, ruralradio.com, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. It's a Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.